Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowment funds are intersecting with the community. You can check them out right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. That's thewellendowedpodcast.com. So in chapter one of our new novel... Our very first chapter. Uh, technically our very second chapter, if you include well, the prelude. I don't think that counts as a chapter, because it doesn't have its own number. No, oh, fair enough. Anyway. In, in chapter one, though, uh, we really got an opportunity to meet Henry Thompson, a government man working for us, miss, who just wants to make cities a better place and isn't really a people person. <laughs> Not even a little bit. And then plot happens to him. So much plot. And there is a terror attack on Usmus. Yep. And he gets tapped by the director of the agency to go and investigate one of the two locations where the attack took place, the one in Metropolis, uh, because he needs someone loyal to do it. Yeah. And he's going to be sent with a mystery partner. Except we know who the mystery partner is because it's spoiled on the back of the book. And we will probably get to know him a little better as we segue into Chapter 2 of The Municipalists by Seth Freed. So Thompson is set to meet with Garrett and this new mystery partner of his. Yes. At 10 a.m. the following day. And unsurprisingly, he has turned up 15 minutes early. Yep. And I am not at all surprised by this. Not even a little bit. No. Uh, that he would be not only punctual, but early. Yeah. Thompson strikes me as the kind of guy who hates to be late, so he always turns up early. Like, unnecessarily early. Fashionably early. Well, it turns out he also had a bit of a bad night's sleep the night before, and that was because he was kind of dwelling on the fact that he's been sent on this mission that's really outside of his wheelhouse. Yeah, he's uh, he's not at all prepared to be a Mr. Secret Agent Man. No, his fieldwork has been uh, pretty limited. Yeah, his fieldwork has been very different from from this, right? It's not analytics anymore. Well, it might be, but... I don't know. This is this is secret. Well, yeah, and I mean, he's used to going and figuring out how to make manhole covers an inch smaller, and now he's being sent to investigate a terrorist attack. Yeah, and that's two very different things. Exactly, but it it also really underscores how Garrett needed loyalty first and foremost on this, and the only person he knew he could trust implicitly was the consummate company man who's loyal to him. Henry Thompson. Yeah, no, that's true. There was there was no one else. Thompson is nervous to go into the field, but he is, at the very least, a little mollified by the fact that he is going to be going to Metropolis. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, shining pinnacles to him, right? Like, this is top tier. This is where everybody wants to end up. Yeah. So it's 
it's really special that that's where he's going? Well, not just that. He's been to Metropolis a few times, oh, yes. as we learn in this chapter. And while he, of course, thinks, well, while I'm on the job, I would certainly never take some personal time to do something. But maybe <laughs> when things are wrapped up, I might be able to stop at my favorite terrain model museum and look <laughs> at terrain models. This is where the flashback happens and we go diving into Thompson's past a little bit. Yeah, we get to learn a little bit more about his family. Apparently, uh, they were restaurateurs. Yes. They ran a little frozen yogurt place. Thompson's <laughs> family frozen yogurt. <laughs> little, little froyo place. In Ohio. And they were actually killed in a train derailment en route to a restaurateurs conference. Yes. And there's a little bit of irony involved because his father had this model train which it turns out was actually a rare model train Yeah, on his desk that Thompson grew up kind of admiring as a little kid. He thought it was really cool. And his dad had given him the model as uh, a way to assure him that they would be safe and sound yeah, on I, the train. Like a comfort thing. And then the great irony, of course, is that they then promptly died in a train accident. Uh, yes. To be fair, it was a different train. Yes. And then his great aunt, who he was staying with, uh, died shortly thereafter, and he ended up in the foster system for a while, which, which is sad news. It is. Um, in our prelude and our first chapter, we were talking about his his character pieces, right? And how they were, you know, fairly organic and fairly smooth. And this one felt a little heavy-handed to me. Really? Yeah. It felt a little, it felt a little forced. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is about it that makes me feel that way. But um, but it's there. I got to the end of his of his reminiscing and went, well, A, that's really sad and kind of harsh and he was bullied and you end up feeling sorry for him. And at the same time, I was like, that felt, yeah, it felt a little forced. That's the best word I can come up for. I, I thought it was fairly train of thoughty again. Like, Oh, he... no, it was very it was very stream of consciousness and train of thought. But it felt it felt jammed into the chapter. It didn't feel as natural as the other ones. Fair enough. To me. He is taken back from his reverie and his anticipation of perhaps having a chance to go and look at model tra ogle model trains. <laughs> hey, um, they make him happy. When Garrett and this mysterious other agent arrive to meet him on the tarmac. And uh, so he heads out and meets up with Garrett, who essentially just reminds him, you need to find Sewage Bro Biggs. Here is an envelope with some details, and he kind of tucks it into his pocket. Also, here's this tie clip, and here's this, your new partner. Here's this enormous tie clip. Good day. Um, we also find out that he's wearing a fedora as part of the agency's uniform. Let's go along with the navy blue suits. And everybody hates them, probably except him. Uh, apparently Kirkland's team doesn't even wear them, which just further shows them as being outsiders on the agency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but neither is this other agent, actually, which immediately catches his attention. He also kind of realizes that he's awkwardly staring at the other agent on the tarmac while they're waiting for the plane to pull up. Right, then he feels weird about it. So he starts fiddling with the tie clip, and the other agent is like, no, stop that. Don't do that. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> don't, don't play with that. Um, and Thompson tries to introduce himself, and they can't hear each other over the sound of the plane yeah, coming. Yeah, of course. So there's this weird moment where he's... I imagine I imagine it's like that uh, that familiar comedy trope where someone's trying to explain something and then the loud noises happen and then by the end it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's and it's a funny punchline or something. Pretty much what happens here. Um, and it's only when the tarmac lights actually interfere with the other agent's literal body that <laughs> yeah, Thompson... Yeah, where he kind of gets transparent for a moment before yeah. things adjust. And Thompson realizes, oh, that's not a people. That's, that's an Owen. Yeah, he... Uh, 
he had caught a little snippet of what the other agent was saying. Yeah, something about Owen. And he heard Owen. something about yeah. Owen. And it was at, it's at that moment that he realizes this other agent is Owen. Yeah, he wasn't talking about Owen. He is Owen. Yeah. They, uh, they board up the plane and Owen is super excited to be there, having never flown before physically. Well, having never been physical before. Yeah, well, no, he has been physical before, as we will learn as the chapter goes on. Okay, fair enough, but this is different. Yes, uh, this is his first time in the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I finally get the acronym. Yes, we... I get uh, it explained to me. We do learn that. I wrote it down. Object-Oriented Database and Working... I don't know how to say that. Achistics Network. Achistics Network. I don't know what that is. What's Achistics? Achistics is essentially the science of human settlements. Oh, that makes sense. It's... uh kind of in, includes city planning and uh, and architecture and city design um, Infrastructure, especially stuff like that. especially towards large complex human settlements so Cities. yeah it would make sense therefore that they would have a supercomputer that is focused on achistic science yeah okay that makes sense yeah the important part is now I know what Owen stands for and I feel better about it um, yeah we also learned that he was designed by dr. Gustav Klaus Gus. Yeah. So this next little bit is us uh, learning about Owen. It's, yeah. It's kind of like some character work on Owen, except because he's a computer, it's it's a little different. Dr. Klaus, Gus, as Owen calls him, is a Nobel Prize winning computer engineer who's obviously a genius because he's built at yeah. least a very good approximation of an artificial intelligence. Absolutely. And uh, apparently this whole hologram technology that Owen is utilizing right now is something that's been in the works for a while Mm -hmm. and was just in its late stages of testing when the terror attack happened. And it's caused a big setback. Well, yeah, because uh, no one... No one trusts Owen anymore? Yeah, since the terror attack, the agents at Usmus have been reluctant to access the computer. They've been reluctant to get agency phones. Apparently they were exploding because of a self-destruct mechanism in them. Yep. That was meant to prevent data theft. Yep. Um, they, they've they been avoiding the elevators, and they've been propping open automatic say, locks. They're, like, they're spooked. They're not, they're not locking their doors. Yeah. Like, even though it's a fireable offense to not lock a security door. And so, basically... Trust in the Owen system is at an all-time low, and Gus pushed for Owen to be added to this investigation, partly because Owen is central to the investigation. It was a hack on Owen. It's true. And partly because it's an opportunity to demonstrate that Owen is still invaluable to the agency. I would also argue that maybe he's trying to rebuild goodwill No, that is in Owen. That is explicitly what he's trying to do here. <laughs> Owen also actually explains to Thompson what being hacked by the computer virus was like from his perspective, that he was in a situation where he was kind of locked in his own body, watching his various applications and programs do stuff when he had yeah. no control over it. And he's like, and he couldn't do anything about it. And he's taking it as a bit of a personal slight that us misagents aren't relying on him anymore. Like, he's like, how dare they? <laughs> it hurts my feelings. I was not responsible for the computer virus. That was human error, my good man. It's the technicians who left that back door there. Not I. <laughs> the point is, Owen comes across as a little bit of a jerk. Uh, yeah. Um, he's apparently learned human interactions from Gus and old-timey gangster films. Right? So his view of people is a little bit skewed. Well, uh, he does mention a couple film directors who don't necessarily do gangster films. No, it's true. And uh, he's clearly happy to chat with Thompson about 
the subject of films. He also spends some of the flight fussing over his appearance. Apparently, he's not yet happy with how he some, looks. Some of the flight. Pretty much the entire like, flight. All of the flight. Um, apparently, he can adjust his clothes, his hair, his appearance pretty much at will. Well, he's a digital being, so yeah. Thompson actually starts to get irked that Owen isn't paying attention to him while they're talking, and Owen's like, my dude, I'm paying attention to everything. I'm a supercomputer. Keep up. <laughs> I can see the back of your head. Let's go. Yeah. Owen kind of explains that the, the long-term plans for these tie clips, and this is not a unique piece of technology. That, no, apparently there's a whole bunch of them. That he's been fitted with, yeah. Um, the, the plan was to roll these out so that all us Miss Field agents would be paired up with Owen. Yeah. Because he can multitask as only a supercomputer can. Right. And he could be on a dozen investigations simultaneously. And the idea is that they would have basically a walking database as their partner in the field who could not only uh, relay information back from the database as needed, but could also take in information. Yeah, they're collecting data. Because the tie can scan the entire area around you. Right, exactly. It's like having a walking interface. Yeah, it's it's basically taking the supercomputer with you on the investigation. Yeah. In a way that just having it on your phone doesn't quite match. And Thompson actually legitimately is like, this This is a huge asset. This would be groundbreaking technology. Oh, yeah. It's very impressive. I if mean... I trusted you. Yeah. he By the end of the chapter, he doesn't exactly like Owen and intends to write a, uh, a recommendation they not do this, but entirely because of Owen's personality and not at all because the technology is not super useful. So here's... Here's what I think happened. Knowing that Owen was, quote-unquote, raised on mobster movies. <laughs> Follow me on this. Um, the, your stereotypical mobster tends to be, quote-unquote, good at people. Although not necessarily at making people happy, but at manipulating people and reading people and understanding people. Uh, I am reminded of a scene from The Godfather where, uh, where he's making a prediction Whoever whoever gets sent to you, that's that's the traitor, and just because he knows it, because he knows people, right? That's how, I don't want to give away too much of the Godfather. We are not a movie podcast. Uh, also, I, I guess spoiler alert. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, mobsters are really good at people. So what we have is a computer who's really good at people paired with a human who's really bad at people. So these two are going to clash. Anyway, carrying on. So Owen. Basically takes some of the flight as well to show off some of the neat tricks that he knows, I guess would be the best way to put it. The tie clip, it turns out, is a very sophisticated hollow projector, and it can throw sound, which gives him the appearance of being able to talk to you yep. from wherever he's standing. It can also throw light off of nearby objects so that you could be holding your hand in front of the tie clip, and he would still project without any interference. Yeah. he'd go around you, kind of. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, and... Using that, he's actually able to do some neat stuff. He can camouflage Thompson, for example, to make him the color of the chair, which is certainly a skill that's being set up for later. And he can change his own appearance to look like other people he knows. And sound like other people. Yeah, he does a bang-on impression of Dr. Klaus. He does a bang-on impression of Director Garrett. And again, I'm like, oh, we're we're again showing off a skill that's going to come in useful oh, later. Oh, that is absolutely coming back. Yeah, these in are the future. This is Chekhov's holography. Yes, absolutely. Um, and apparently, these weren't even intentional features. These are these are not exactly bugs, but they they weren't intentional applications of the technology. They're they're things that Owen discovered he could do. Yeah, based while... on other things he could do. Yeah. Um, he also shows off a subroutine he wrote for himself that allows him to intoxicate himself. This 
This is worrisome to me. Yeah. Um, he generates like a little glass of scotch. And Thompson's like, what's this about? And Owen's like, oh, so I noticed that Dr. Klaus would drink heavily to, <laughs> uh, to take the edge off. And I thought that was cool. So I decided that I would allow myself to do the same thing. So when I take a drink, my primary functions get bombarded by complex mathematical formulas so that it diminishes my inhibitions and my social anxiety the same way it would a normal person. Yeah. So basically, he's getting computer drunk. Yeah. And Thompson is like, you're not going to do that while we're on the job. And Owen's like, listen, Henry, <laughs> my boy, this is all under the table. There is no official record of this investigation. We can do whatever we yeah. want to no do. No one is watching. Technically, we're not here. Everything's fine. Relax. Loosen your tie. Throw away the fedora. How could this go wrong? Yeah, Thompson is legitimately, like, mortified. We have an overly comfortable AI who is learning how the world works mixed with the least comfortable person he could possibly imagine. Yeah, Thompson even goes so far as to reiterate, could you could you please not drink while we're on the job? And Owen chooses to believe that he's being witty. Like... It's not he's mistaken it for witticism. He's just chosen yeah. to believe he that doesn't, it's witticism. He doesn't understand how this awkward person works at all and gets it wrong at every turn. Yeah, he even lets slip that Thompson's personnel file is just riddled with complaints from coworkers. And Thompson's like, they they what? There's, there's <laughs> what like, oh, now yeah, you're in my a total, phone? You're a total pill. <laughs> Why would you say that to someone? Read the room, man. Yeah, this is around the point that Thompson decides he does not like Owen. Yeah, and we're only... We're only on the second chapter. In fact, so he, this is going to be great. He doesn't like Owen enough that he intimates that he's when he gets to the hotel, he's going to ditch the tie clip and do the investigation solo. <laughs> like he's not even going to take Owen with him because he at at the moment he's reading Owen as a liability. Of course, that more or less encompasses the flight. And by the end of the chapter, they're flying into Metropolis, and Thompson kind of flashes back to his first visit to the city when he was nineteen, still in college learning about civic engineering, and he wanted to go ogle bridges and sewer pipes and streetlights. Other nerd things. He felt the first time he saw it as the bus was pulling up that this this is the place. This is the city where I'm going to one day make my mark. And as he got his job with Usmus, and as he spent years not working primarily in Metropolis and not being transferred there, that kind of tempered his opinion on that. And now in this moment with the weight of this investigation on his shoulders and the mystery of what's going on with us miss in metropolis and what was behind this terror attack he's suddenly reminded of that and kind of dreading oh god could this not be the time that i make my mark right, this on the is, city this is not this is not how i want to be remembered this no. is not how i want to prove my worth no um and that's kind of where we leave off on chapter mm. 2 either either that or he has a crippling fear of success I don't think he has a crippling fear of success. I, I don't think, think he does either. Thompson is is a career-oriented person. He wants to do well at his job. He wants to stand out in his job on, on his own terms. I, I think that that is reflected in his desire to make his mark. Yeah. And I also wonder if maybe there's the concern that he might make his mark by failing at this. Maybe. That he'll be remembered as a failure maybe. because of what happens in Metropolis. He'll be like the one guy who let everybody down. Yeah. So, Yeah. That's kind of where we leave off. Yeah. We're set up for like a buddy cop situation here. Oh, yeah. The loosey-goosey artificial intelligence. And, and the tightwad. And the, yeah. Which 
uh, also plays a little against type. You'd expect the supercomputer to be the super logical, right? Very by the books person. Oh, I like I like that little <laughs> reversal. I I think we're in for a good time. I agree. Uh, and we will uh, continue to delve into that good time as we segue into chapter three, which you'll yeah. want to read up on next week. A couple of shorter episodes to start off this book, but you know what? <laughs> we always we always said when we started the read along that the sweet spot would be like between twenty and forty minutes for each episode. Yeah, that's what we aim for. And with a memory called Empire, our previous book, we were. <laughs> We were maxing out at oh. 40 or longer minutes. Oh, my goodness. Because was, it was so dense and there was so much to talk about that it's kind of refreshing to start off this book with a couple episodes that are a little shorter, yeah. actually. Something a little lighter, a little easier to digest. Something yeah. I think it's just going to be fun. And I'm I agree. okay with that. I agree. I, I think it. I'm enjoying the pace of the book so far. I, I like the characters to date that we've been introduced yeah, so to. so far. And I'm, I'm excited to get to Metropolis and find out more about the city and find out what's going on there. So. Yeah. I hope Owen doesn't develop a worrying alcohol problem. I, I hope Thompson doesn't develop a worrying <laughs> alcohol problem. Oh, that's also possible. Yeah. Didn't think of that. Uh, while you are checking that out in time for next week, you can also check out a couple of our fellow Alberta Podcast Network podcasts, including perhaps this one. Colin, we should start a movie podcast. Oh, that's a good idea, Greg. What are you thinking? I'm thinking like a movie podcast is like a little different than other movie podcasts. Mm, so instead of celebrating movies, we take... Bad movies, and we talk about them. No, 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 but maybe we'll take those bad movies and we'll we'll talk about them, how they can be better, how we can fix them. Guys, I have some notes. Yeah, what do you have notes about? No, that's the podcast. I have some notes. Greg Beaver, Colin McIntyre, and me, Scott C. Bourgeois. We get together a few times a month and take a bad movie and try to punch it up. You can check us out right now at the Alberta Podcast Network or at IHaveSomeNotes.com. So it's only a little bit of a shameless plug. It is technically my other podcast <laughs> it is literally my other podcast it is literally it's not even podcast, but that's okay <clears throat> but we haven't plugged it much on the show no. so uh i'm allowed to indulge once in a while i agree um yeah if you uh like hearing the sound of my voice and aren't completely turned off by it uh you can hear me with two other fine fellows liam creswick and uh, greg beaver over on i have some notes where we don't talk books we talk movies and very occasionally uh, I get to kick Scott out of the of the podcasting chair, and I take over with some of our lady friends. Yeah, Nita has been known to occasionally guest on that show as well. So. And complain loudly about movies. Indeed. So uh, something else to listen to. And of course, even if you're not into movies, there's bound to be something on the Alberta Podcast Network you'll enjoy. Oh, absolutely. You can check them out at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And all of the shows are also featured on the CKUA app. Yeah, available where you find your apps, wherever, wherever that may be. Um, if you want to reach out to us, we also have a collection of social medias for you. Yeah, we are at The Read Along on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can find us on Goodreads. Uh, we are a little group there if you use that wonderful reading app, which is getting a free plug from us virtually every episode. It's true. Need to get them in touch with the Alberta Podcast Network. Right. Um, you, can, uh, you can find us there and you can take part in, uh, in the club from there. Yeah, well. if social media isn't your thing, you can send us an email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Secret agent men and his computer friend.
Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.